The Apartment Rebellion will not be televised. Resident experience will be more than a buzzword. Staff experience will finally matter. It's happening right now. It's in the hands of the doers, the innovators, the boundary pushers, who are moving the industry forward, just like the people on this show. This is the Apartment Rebels podcast, hosted by Flamingo CEO Jude Chi. Welcome, friends of the rebellion, and may the force be with you. Yeah, so uh, welcome to the latest episode of Flamingo's Apartment Rebels podcast. Um, so today I have Amy Weisberger, SVP of Corporate Strategy at Morgan Properties. So really excited to have Amy on because one thing I found really fascinating in real estate is that there are a lot of women across different roles, but not as much at the very top. So Amy is definitely an exception to that. So I wanted to really focus this episode around like how the industry can get more women in leadership roles and then tips and tricks from Amy for what has really helped her kind of stand above the pack because clearly you've done something really exceptional. So really excited to have you on to talk everything about the industry. So welcome. Thanks, Jude. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. Oh, perfect. So can you kind of start, I want to start with like what got you into the industry in the first place. One thing I found really fascinating, and I'm really hoping this might be the case, (laughs) is when you were little, you met a property manager and you were like, oh my God, I want to be in property management. I have yet to meet anyone that had any plans. It's always like, oh, it was an accident. Oh no, like every little girl playing with my Barbies, I said, someday I'm gonna lease apartment to Ken. No, I um, I, I fell into the industry like mm-hmm. everybody else does. Yeah. It actually started out many years ago. I was mm-hmm. in college yeah. and I was going to school, Temple in Center City, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And I saw an ad in the newspaper. Yes, we used newspapers back then to look for <laughs> jobs. And it said couple needed to manage apartment community. Mm-hmm. And it came with a free apartment. Oh wow. And so I thought I am one of a couple. Mm-hmm. So I interviewed for this job. I don't know why she hired me. I had no experience. Um, and I got the I got the job and the best part was the free apartment, right? Nice. It was 33 units in Center City, Philadelphia. And from there I just uh, never looked back, really. Wow. Yeah. So what made you what did she see in you? Because clearly there had to be something there. I have no idea what she saw in me, maybe because I had a boyfriend and so I was one of a couple and I qualified for the position. Nice. Or or maybe she just, you know, I, I felt I was reliable mm-hmm. and, you know, you sort of get that sense from people, felt like I was intelligent mm-hmm. and she just saw something. I don't know. Yeah. She never told me. She wasn't. Yeah. She was <laughs> so <laughs> what was that like her. though so were you doing leasing were you running the whole property or what were your responsibilities yeah. so i managed this small community it was a garden style community 33 yeah. apartments like teeny tiny yeah. um and my office was attached to my apartment mm-hmm. and so my job so was, you were the full manager oh yeah wow. so my job was to rent apartments if mm-hmm. people needed it there wasn't a lot of vacant apartments mm-hmm. there um, take care of the residents if they needed something I would you know we outsourced all of the maintenance so mm-hmm. I would just call the maintenance person and it was basically just to make sure that the grounds looked good mm-hmm. you know with the landscaper or if I saw trash obviously I picked it up mm-hmm. that is the fastest way to a promotion <laughs> um, and just you know took care of the overall place it was it was great but it gave me some experience Wow so what were some of the challenges i imagine even though you said it's like small with 33 units that's still 
a fair amount of people to interact with because issues come up. Sure. Yeah. So what were some of those challenges? Well, so as far as the sales process went, I never really had much of an issue with mm -hmm. it just sort of came naturally to me helping yeah. people find their home walking them through, talking about the property. Mm -hmm. You know, it was it was small and the apartments sold themselves because it was in Philadelphia. It had yeah. parking, it had, you know, some of them were two stories and, and they were reasonably priced. So it was it was it could sell itself. Yeah. I personally thought I was fantastic, but basically the location <laughs> sold itself. Um, and then as far as dealing just with their with their issues, you know, being able to solve people's problems or help them out with something that they needed, it just taught me about customer service. Wow. And it was the first time I realized, I think, I think in, in our industry, what's different than any other industry mm -hmm. is that it's somebody's home, yeah. right? So when we make a sale, they move in with us. Mm -hmm. So that relationship just continues on and on and you can yeah. build on it. And I think that that was the first time I realized mm -hmm. that it was different than anything else I'd done. Yeah. So I assume that's kind of what kept you in the industry then, like after you realized like, oh, this is a really interesting thing you are helping people find home find a place where they literally spend a ton of your time yeah what i didn't know at the time because it was so small and i was so you know i had like this little microcosm of what mm -hmm. property management really is was how many other hats you get to wear in property mm -hmm. management and it wasn't until i left there yeah. and went and started working for morgan properties actually mm -hmm. um and I got some property management experience where I realized it's not just about the sales mm -hmm. and the customer service. I mean, it's it's obviously the foundation of everything that we do. Yeah. But there was accounting. There mm -hmm. was, um, you know, there was all sorts of aspects of of budgeting mm -hmm. and of time management and of multitasking mm -hmm. and leading a team. All of those pieces mm -hmm. and professional development all of those pieces started to come together mm -hmm. and I didn't know anything about maintenance I mean I still probably couldn't fix anything <laughs> but I understand what it takes yeah. um, you know and and the the amount of time and effort from our maintenance teams that goes in behind yeah. the scenes you know the less glamorous job yeah. but without them the property is never gonna never gonna do anything right you need maintenance so all of those pieces started to come together for me. So was Morgan your next stop after that, that initial start? Yeah, when I started back at Morgan, it was 1994. We were very small. Um, and so I managed a property that was closer to where I grew up. Um, I, I graduated to 135 units there. Wow. Something, something Big like job. that. Yeah, and um, so I spent, I, I got hired as a leasing consultant, but it, you know, it was a two person office and they fired the property manager and they walked in and said, you're, you're it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, great. So uh, that's how I got to be a property manager at Morgan. And then from there, I just, um, because I was able to help with like overseeing some of the renovations and you know helping with occupancy and delinquency and all of that, um, I started moving through, right? So I, I was there for a bit. I actually left for a little while and went to work for a competitor. Yeah. But I came back and I took over a property that when the company bought a portfolio of 13 mm -hmm. properties, it was one they had to take to get the other 12. Oh, wow. So I was the lucky one that that took that over to help oversee that renovation yeah. and help fix it up um, and build the team. And then yeah. it just kept growing, you know, from there it went to 772 mm -hmm. and then regional manager. Just yeah. the career just sort of took off from there. So in that process, because you rose very quickly, I mean, going from 33 units to now SVP. 
So what was your learning process? Like, how were you able to develop those skills that you needed at each stage? You mentioned that at the 33 unit property, you never really had to think about like the accounting element. Yeah. So when you got to the next one up, I think you said 130 or so, 127. But how were you able to learn those skills? Because one of the things that I've learned is in property management, there is no school that you go to to learn. Here's how, I mean, I think there's now like Ball State. Sure, but, there's schools. Yeah. But how were you able to really like gain those skills and learn so you are always prepared for that next stage? Sure. Well, there are, there are courses that are through the apartment associations mm-hmm. that you can take to learn those particular skills as far as budgeting and yeah. understanding valuation and all of those things. So there are classes you can take. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to have mentors who helped me throughout my entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I learned because I got to listen and then mm-hmm. I got to apply it. Yeah. And that's, that's what worked. Um, and I think that's what works for a lot of people mm-hmm. is that hands-on learning approach. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, back in the day when we were just starting to grow mm-hmm. and we were looking at properties, I raised my hand and I said, I'd love to look at properties. Yeah. And, you know, I was lucky enough that people said, okay. Mm-hmm. So there I was, you know, a property manager. I didn't have experience with due diligence and, and they let me go. Mm-hmm. And I learned about different communities and I learned about different management companies. And so throughout my career, I've been blessed that I've been able to have these experiences. Wow. So when you were making those like different jumps, were you thinking like, hey, in order for me to get to this next level, here are the things I need to learn. And were you actively pursuing those things? Or was it more relying on your mentors to say, hey, what do I need to know? And how do I acquire those skills? I think it was a combination of both. You know, I'm, I'm, strategic I'd like to think since you know it's in my title but uh, so I I went back to school while I was while I was um, being a manager or being a regional manager actually I think at the time I was doing some of the project management and business management for the company and I got a degree in business and then I was really interested in and and Morgan helped to support that right Mm -hmm. so I worked for a company that also helped support those things. Yeah. So they had tuition reimbursement programs. So they helped me out with that. And then um, I sort of just grew that path. And I really, and I always liked training and developing and working on helping other people learn because I wanted to use my experience to help yeah. others. So I went and I got my master's degree in training and development. And I did that um, while I was promoted and I was um, the VP of training for the company. Yeah. So I helped build our training department. Wow. So it's been it's been quite a journey, but the, the key is to never stop learning mm-hmm. and whatever it is that you're interested in, not only look at it from what kind of experience can you get mm-hmm. in the job and from working with other team members, but yeah. you also have to sort of take it on yourself and yeah. make the effort. Yeah. One thing that I really love that you mentioned about Morgan is the fact that it has tuition reimbursement and really encourages people to continue yes. that education. Yes. So from that element, like how are your team members taking advantage of that type of, um, I guess, it's almost like a perk, like a great perk from Morgan. Yeah. So Morgan just acquired more properties and we have 97,000, just over 97,000 units. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we're spread out over multiple states. But one of the things that has been the foundation of the company is the people, right? Yeah. You, can't, you can't do this if you don't have 
people. Yeah. And so that has always been the philosophy that like these are just buildings, mm -hmm. but it's the people that bring them to life and make them successful. Yeah. And that means from our whole team mm -hmm. to the residents, right? So uh, one of the things that we've always put as a focus is, mm -hmm. is developing our employees. Yeah. So we have professional development programs that are internal mm -hmm. that people can take. Um, they can either do it virtually, they can mm -hmm. do classes in person, um, well, COVID sort of put a little yeah. snap on that, but from our onboarding, we mm -hmm. onboard everybody. We have um, orientation. We have classes mm -hmm. based on your role yeah. to sort of help get you um, with the right foot in the door and get mm -hmm. you started. We always say we don't expect somebody to be an Olympic swimmer when they get to their property, right? Yeah. But we want you to be able to tread water, yeah. right? And then we'll work with you to get you to the next level. So we offer classes all the way through your career with Morgan. Mm -hmm. From the time you start with us, whatever your role is, all yeah. the way through our, um, our our vice presidents and our corporate office, there's classes available. Yeah. So how are you all able to drive utilization of those great perks classes? Because one of the challenges in property management, especially for site teams, is that they are extremely busy where it's putting out fires here, this resident is angry, this maintenance issue has happened. How are you able to encourage your side teams to take a step back to say, hey, think about your career in the long term. Like we know there's this emergency, but we also encourage you to actually take yeah. some time for your own professional development. Because I imagine it has to be such a challenge. It is, it's hard. It's hard when a property is short staffed. It's mm -hmm. hard when, you know, there's snow on the ground, mm -hmm. you know, you're not gonna stop shoveling so that you can go take a, a yeah. course. But you have to you have to commit to it. And we have a fantastic group of leaders in our company in our in our different geographic areas that support employee development. So it has to come from the top, right? We've made it a priority in our company that developing our employees is how our company is going to continue to be able to sustain its growth. Mm -hmm. So we encourage it, right? And we want people to set the time aside to develop themselves mm -hmm. personally, professionally. It's important. It's important so that they don't feel that they're only there to do a job. Mm -hmm. It's a career. Yeah, no, I love that. So in terms of the impact of that, are you all able to measure that? And if so, what has been some of the impact from having professional development easily available to your employees? Yeah, so we look at the promotions that go on in our company, right? And I don't have the statistics off the top of my head, but there's when, when we see the people who take our professional development programs, number one, we ask that they commit to stay with us for a particular period of time. But we also see that from there, those are the ones who really recognize that there's career opportunities here and they and they work they work to get to that next yeah, level i mean you're definitely a clear example of that i'd like to think so yeah. thanks <laughs> Not a problem. i'm still learning <laughs> nice <laughs> so what kind of feedback have you all received from your site teams or managers about uh, these different opportunities yeah so we listen to what they're looking for where they feel like there's opportunity for them to learn and grow and one of the key things that we heard was they wanted to hear from leadership mm -hmm. so they get a lot of um development from we have we have we're broken out where our sites are led by an area vice president and then there's regional managers property managers etc and there's also um area regional facilities vice presidents so you know th there's there's all of these leaders that are sort of working in this, in their geographic area. And what we've heard is that 
our site teams want to hear from them, mm -hmm. but they also want to hear from other leaders in other areas, and they want to hear from the corporate office folks that they interact with. So we've tried to design our programs to sort of let everybody um, have opportunities to be exposed yeah. to other areas, not just what in their in their own little yeah. world. And I love that because it ends up helping people build relationships yes. with different people across the whole company and really understand how their area function, how this impacts them. So yeah. I absolutely love that. Yeah, it's great. And our owners are really, they've always said like it's a family business mm -hmm. and it is. We're, we're a private company for as large as we are. Mm -hmm. um, we started out small, we had one owner, now his sons are in the business and they still say no matter how big we get, it's still a family company. Mm -hmm. And I think that that feeling that understanding that underneath it all, with all of the stresses, and believe me, there are plenty yep. of stresses, and there are growing pains that we have as we as we expand. But with all of that, it really is a family company, and and I I'd like to feel that that it doesn't matter if I am in Florida and I'm working on the grounds, or if I am in New Jersey and I'm a regional manager, I want them to feel that that's the culture and that's the vibe of our company, that you're part of our family and we're here to support you. Yeah. No, I love that. So then how does that translate into how you all think about your resident experience? Okay, sounds like you guys spent a lot of time thinking about how to, um, how do we develop our employees? How do we ensure that they are excited about, about being at Morgan, yeah. that they want to be here uh, for the long term? So how, what kind of impact has that had on your resident experience, if any? Yeah, so customer service is key to us and we've mm -hmm. tried to put pieces in place from um, technology mm -hmm. and make sure that the residents are able to be heard 24 seven and that we contact and, and they can contact us the way that they feel most comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that um, by offering multiple channels mm -hmm. to reach us and to communicate with us and offering them as much self-service as they want mm -hmm. or as or as you know handheld as they want mm -hmm. has has really helped yeah. Yeah, i love that yeah and then a really core thing one of the big reasons why i wanted to talk to you is that in the industry you see it's definitely woman dominated but not at the senior levels so i'm sure for a lot of people they're trying to figure out like how how can the industry, I guess I want to call it a problem, how does the industry fix that problem? How do they get more great women into leadership positions? So I kind of started with from your perspective, like why is it that uh, in an industry where you have so many women at different positions, like why don't we have more women at the very top? Mm, that's a great question. I think that it's changing. Mm -hmm. I do. I see that um, within my own organization, you know, we just hired our head of accounting and she's female. Um, I, I was promoted into a senior vice president role. We have area vice presidents who there's multiple females in that role. And I do see that it's that it's changing. I agree that it is still it feels very male dominated at the top. And I think part of that has to do with um, in family businesses, oftentimes, you know, it's it's passed down father to son, yeah. like in, in my company as well. Um, so I think that that sort of sets the tone. And I also think that some of the, the majors that people take in college, mm -hmm. um, commercial real estate dominated asset management, those types of fields tend to be um, tend to be more more man, more mm -hmm. men in them. So um, I do see it changing, though. I look at our own organization yeah. and I see it changing. And not just from women, but more diverse in general. Yeah. 
Amen, do you think there are specific challenges that women face as they look to grow their profession or grow their career in their industry? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, and what would those be? Yeah. So one of the things that that I personally have seen mm-hmm. that um, that I've had to work through and and realize that it's okay to have a work life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I started out in this field. I was young. Mm-hmm. I was single. You know, yeah. I said I had a boyfriend, but <laughs> I wound up marrying him. He's still stuck with me. Um, <laughs> but through the years, you know, I had twins. Mm-hmm. I had. Um, and I had another daughter um, who's seven years younger than her mm-hmm. brother and sister. And so I wanted to leave work at the end of the day, right? I didn't want to be there until nine, 10 o'clock, seven, eight o'clock at night, whatever that is. And, and you know, that, that almost became a badge of honor to say like, oh, yeah. I worked 60 hours this week. And I think that women in particular mm-hmm. tend to feel that if they can't put that mm-hmm. kind of time in as they're growing their career, mm-hmm. that they are, you know, almost frowned upon or dismissed. Mm-hmm. and. And I, I had to work very hard to say like, I'm leaving, I'm going home, I'm going to have dinner with my family, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I will give you, I'm gonna be here eight, nine hours a day, most mm-hmm. days. Some days it was, it was longer, sure. Yeah. But I'm gonna give you everything I got while I'm here and I'm gonna be as productive as I can. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna go home yeah. and I'm gonna be with my family. And it's very, very hard to find that work-life balance. And I did struggle with it for years. Mm-hmm. I still struggle with it. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's one of the challenges that women in particular find to be difficult in this mm-hmm. field. So then how can people at the top help that, like change that culture to say, hey, you don't need to be here for eight or nine, or you don't need to be here for 60 hours per week, and that is okay. Yeah. So how, do, how can companies really push that type of culture forward so employees know that is okay? So what you just said has to be said, right? You have to tell people it's okay to not work. You, you don't have to be here 50, 60 hours a week. We want you to go home. We want you to, you know, and, and we have, as leaders, have to not send emails out at seven, eight o'clock at night, right? And that's part of our behavior is to set the example for the teams out there. And look, there's always going to be an emergency. There's always going to be that, you know, we talk about a fire. There's always going to be something that's going to happen. Snow doesn't doesn't come, you know, on, on our timetable. So there's always going to be times when we have to put in those extra hours, when we have a deadline that we have to meet. But day to day, if you can come in at a reasonable hour and leave at a reasonable hour, I think it makes you a more well-rounded and whole human, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where our leaders need to set that example and say to them, we encourage this. Yeah. And then, so when it comes to professional development and career development as a whole, so for you, you have an, a really amazing career. Like if I am a leasing consultant, I'm new to the industry, like how should I plan out my career growth? Like I just, I literally just graduated college, got hired, and I want to be in your position in five, 10, 20, whatever years. I say wing it like I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just go with the flow. Just go with it, just do what you got yeah. to do. No, um, I think that you have to, you know, part of, part of what I did was, I call it earning your stripes. Like mm-hmm. I definitely earned my stripes. I did leasing and even when I thought I had mastered, you know, oh, I can I can rent an apartment to anybody who walks through the door who needs an apartment, like um, I'm good at that, right? And I know all the paperwork and I know how to do this. And I felt like I was ready. I, I didn't 
I didn't feel like it was in an hour or in three months or even in a year. It took me time. And I really wanted to understand that. And while I was in that role, I wanted to learn some of the aspects of the next role, right? So so that when I moved into that next role, when the opportunity when when I had the opportunity to do that, sometimes that doesn't happen, you just get put in a role. But when I had the opportunity to do that, it it really helped me to understand what I was getting myself into next, right? And start learning that and gain some skills before I went in there. Because what happens is oftentimes we're good at one thing, right? We're good at sales or we're good at administrative work. So we get promoted into the next role and we don't understand all of the pieces that now come in that role. So once we get in there, it's important to have mentors. It's important to continue to learn and understand and and put yourself out there, take classes. Um, talk to somebody, ask for help. Yeah. And that's how you keep growing. So then kind of adding on to that, like what are some of those specific skills that you think someone needs to learn? Is it learn the lease inside? Is it learn finance? Is it learn whatever? What are some of those like core things that you think every property manager should have on their list of these are the things that I at least need to have, maybe not expert level, uh, insight into, but at least be competent at these. Yeah, I think um, for anybody to be successful in property management, you have to understand that if we don't rent apartments, we're all, out of, we're all out of That's work, right? So, yeah. so, and not only rent apartments, but renew apartments and renew them at higher rates. Um, and so you have to understand all of those aspects of what goes into renting an apartment. And that's not just understanding, I'm gonna put an ad here and they're gonna call and I'm gonna be good on the phone and encourage them and create urgency. It's making sure that that apartment is the best that it can be, right? Working with the maintenance team so that you're partnering with them because they're working so hard in a million different ways too, but without a ready home for somebody to move into, they're gonna start right from day one and they're not gonna be happy. So that customer service, um, I think that's the foundation and, and it all sort of builds into the next piece. Controlling expenses, making sure you're spending money where you should be spending money, right? Where are ways that we can get some extra revenue on the property if we see opportunities there? There's all sorts of things that you ask me, it sounds like a simple question, but I really feel like if you can rent apartments, take care of the property and take care of your residents, and you're good at time management, yeah. I feel like you can be successful. Nice. So then what are some things that tend to distract from that that is common in the industry where you're like, that's important, but not really important? Yeah. You know, I, I think that um, every day something is going to happen that a resident's going to walk in and instead of viewing that as an interruption, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think, oh, I've got to fill out this paperwork or I've got to work on my computer, you know, follow-ups for, for somebody. And somebody walks in and we view them as an interruption, but they're our resident, right? Yep. They're living with us. This is their home. We have an opportunity here to make, make them happy so that they renew their lease so I have less vacancy and I yep. can raise my rents to new people coming in too. So I think that part of what we have to do um, in on site is recognize that the priority is to not always be sitting behind our desk. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do, right? We've got to get up, we've got to get out, we've got to look at the property, we've got to talk to our teams, we've got to talk to our residents, and we've got to make sure that, yeah, the, the computer work is important, but it's not as important as what we do day in and day mm -hmm. out, which is take care of the property and our residents. Nice. So then what uh, responsibilities does corporate have to help the teams understand that? Because 
if a property manager feels like, oh, I got to get this report in because someone is expecting it, it could be my regional, it could be the owner, it could be someone else, yeah. and they expect it this afternoon. And I have this stream of residents coming in. Yeah. How should a property manager think about that? And how can corporate help them understand, okay, this report is important, but the resident in front of you is more important. Yeah, that has to be the message, right? Again, it's all about communication. And we have to say, you know, that's the priority. This other stuff, it's not as important. Like, yes, we need to get the rents paid, sure. But we're, we're trying to do things in our industry to make it less administratively burdensome for our site teams, you know, through having people pay their rent online, right? Making sure that they can do all those things. All this centralization that everybody, that's been the hot button at, at the conference today, centralization and automation and, and moving things off the site teams is because I think that as an industry, we've recognized that we've put so much administrative work on the properties that the foundation that we talked about is sort of it's hard to do that mm -hmm. when you're when you're so focused on some of these other you things. Can yeah. Do. yeah, and 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 from a corporate perspective, you know, there's a lot of departments, and and we're a we're a large organization. I know not not everybody out there is, but you know, you've got an AR department, an AP department, a revenue management department, a training department. You've got operations people, facilities people, and everybody wants a piece, right? And their piece is just the the most important thing that has to get done that day, right? Yeah. From, so from a leadership perspective, what we need to constantly have that message, not only to the site teams, but to the corporate office team is to say, the priority is this. Mm -hmm. They will get to that. And, and unless you know there is an absolute emergency, if they're short staffed and, and they've got, they're trying to rent apartments and they're trying to take care of their residents, like just that other stuff, some, let them yeah. find somebody else to do it. Yeah. Let's support them. We're here to support the sites, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a few times that the ability to do that is all communication. So being able to help the sites team understand that specific message. So what unique way does Morgan do that? Mm -hmm. So it actually resonates because if I'm a site team member, I can hear that, but still feel like, oh, I still need to get this report in. Yeah, I understand that. And that's the challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think that we say it, but then the report still has to get done, yeah. right? So it's a matter of having having that flow that everybody's walking that walking that walk and not just talking the talk. Yeah. And so from and 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 it also comes down to that's where those um, area vice presidents and regional managers come into play because they're really the ones that the sites have the direct contact with. And so finding the support for them to make sure that when a site is sort of feeling like they're underwater, mm -hmm. helping them out. And we have a we have a great team out there that does that. Yeah. We have mentors, we have at, at, at the, you, you ask for help, you're gonna get help. Mm -hmm. You don't ask for help, maybe we don't know. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And then um, my last question for you is, if you could wave a wand to fix like one thing in the industry, like what would that be? Oh, oh that's. <laughs> That's it. Well, I, normally when I'd be wearing my tiara, if you ask me to wave a wand. So um, I guess it would be staffing, right? Mm -hmm. And making sure that um, I was able to wave a wand and that there was always enough bench strength mm -hmm. for every department mm -hmm. from um, maintenance and, and leasing and our office teams um, to the corporate office, making sure that everybody had enough bench strength so that we could continue to grow. I would, if I could do that, I'd go ding, Nice, done. nice. But why is that a challenge? 
Oh, I think that everybody's having challenges right now, right? With hiring and with retaining employees. I just, I feel like that's, COVID played a big role in it, but um, I just think that right now, I, I have not talked to anybody who said, Wow, we're fully staffed and we're just busting at the seams with, with employees, right? Like, do you need anybody? We've got extra. How <laughs> bad. Well, hopefully you guys figure it out. Um, so, Amy, really appreciate you being on uh, the podcast. I think this Thanks was super, me. super informative. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Um, no problem.